Chapter Nine of In the Schoolroom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in July two thousand fourteen. In the Schoolroom by John S. Hart. Chapter Nine: The Power of Words. Words govern the world. Let anyone who doubts it canvass the motives by which his own action is decided. Considerations are presented to his mind, showing him that a certain course of conduct is right, or good, or expedient, or pleasant, and he adopts it. The considerations presented to his mind decide his action. But those considerations are in the form of arguments, and those arguments exist in words the true original power indeed is in the thought it is the thinker who generates the steam but thought unexpressed accomplishes nothing the writer and the speaker engineer it into action thought indeed even in the mind of its originator exists in words for we really think only in words much more, then, must a thought have some verbal expression, written or spoken, before it can influence the opinions or the actions of others. A man may have all the wisdom of Solomon, yet will he exercise no influence upon human affairs unless he gives his wisdom utterance. Profound thinkers sometimes, indeed, utter very little, but they must utter something. They originate and give forth a few thoughts or discoveries which minds of a different order, writers and talkers, pick up, reproduce, multiply, and disseminate all over the surface of society. When a man unites these two functions, being both an original thinker and a skilful and industrious writer, the influence which he may exert upon his race is prodigious. If any one, for instance, would take the pains to trace the influences which have sprung from such a man as Plato, he would have an illustration of what is meant. Plato, while living, had no wealth, rank, or position of any kind to add force to what he said or did. Whatever he has done in the world, he has done simply by his power as a thinker and a writer. There were many Grecians quite as subtle and acute in reasoning as he, but their thoughts died with them. Plato, on the other hand, was an indefatigable writer, as well as an acute and profound thinker. He gave utterance to his ideas in words, which, even in a dead language, have to this day a living power. When Plato was dead, there remained his written words. They remain still. They have entered successively into the philosophies, the creeds, and the practical codes of the Grecian world, the Roman, the Saracen, and the Christian. At this very hour, hundreds of millions of human beings unconsciously hold opinions which the words of that wise old Greek have helped to mould. The mere brute force of a military conqueror may make arbitrary changes in the current of human affairs but no permanent change is ever made except by the force of opinion. The words of Plato have done more to influence the destinies of men than have a hundred such men as Genghis Khan or Tamerlane. 
four hundred millions of chinese in half the actions which go to make up their lives are now governed by maxims and opinions which have come down to them from remote antiquity from a man whose very existence is almost a myth those military heroes whose influence on society has been permanent have been propagandists as well as warriors opinions and code have gone with and survived their conquering armies the armies of the elder napoleon were rooted at waterloo but the napoleonic ideas survived the shock and they are at this day a part of the governing power of the world it was the koran the words and the creed of mahomet that gave to the mahometan conquests its permanent hold upon the nations spoken words have in themselves greater power than merely written ones there is a wonderful influence in the living voice to give force and emphasis to what is uttered but the written word remains what is lost in immediate effect is more than gained in the permanent result the successful writer has an audience for all time he being dead still speaks men are speaking now who have gone to their final account twenty centuries ago paul possibly may not have had the same influence with the popular assembly as the more eloquent apollos but paul is speaking still through his ever-living epistles he is speaking daily to more than a hundred million of human beings he is exerting through his writings a power incomparably greater than that even which he exercised as a living speaker all men have not the commanding gifts of the apostle paul yet after all the main difference between ordinary men and men of the pauline stamp is not so much in their natural powers as in the spirit and temper of the men in that entire consecration of the service of christ which paul had and which they have not it is wonderful to see how much may be accomplished even by men of ordinary talents when they have that zeal and single-mindedness which may be attained by one as well as by another we are accountable for the talents which we have not for what we have not but let each man see to it that he uses to the utmost every talent which his lord has committed to his trust how much for instance may be accomplished by a man who has a gift for addressing a popular assembly such a man by a few wise words spoken at the right time and place may do as much in five minutes in pushing forward a general cause as another man can do by the laborious drudgery of years the words of the speaker touch the secret springs of action in a thousand breasts he sends away a thousand men and women animated with a new impulse to duty and that impulse is propagated and reproduced through hundreds of channels for long years to come words are never entirely idle they have at times a power like that of the electric bolt they may sting like a serpent and bite like an adder in the ordinary intercourse of society a man of good conversational powers may even in discharging the customary civilities of life put forth a large influence the words dropped from minute to minute throughout the day in the millions of little transactions all the while going on between man and man have an incalculable power in the general aggregate of the forces which keep society in motion as with spoken so with written words 
the man who knows how to weave them into combinations which shall gain the popular ear and sink into the popular heart has a mighty gift for good or evil the self-denying and almost saintly heber by all his years of personal toll on the plains of india did not accomplish a tithe of what has been accomplished for the cause of missions by his one missionary hymn it would hardly be an exaggeration to say that those few written words are worth more to the cause than the lives of scores of ordinary missionaries. How many anxious souls, just wavering between a right and a wrong decision, have been led to make the final choice and to decide for Christ by that beautiful hymn beginning, Just as I am without one plea? Who can doubt that the patient invalid of Torquay, in the hour that she penned those touching words, did more for the conversation of sinners than many a minister of the gospel has done in the course of a long and laborious life? What a fund of consolation for pious hearts through all time is laid up in the hymns of that other sweet singer, Mrs. Steele! but as with spoken so with written words the great aggregate of their force is not contained in these few brilliant and striking exceptions but in the millions of mere ordinary paragraphs which meet the eye from day to day in the columns of the daily and weekly press and which have apparently but an ephemeral existence the dashing torrent and the mighty river are the more noticeable objects to the casual observer but it is the minute myriad drops of the rain and the dew that cause the real wonders of vegetation. So these words which we read and think we forget, hour by hour, all day long, are continually sinking into the soil of the heart and influencing imperceptibly the growth of the terms of thought. The aggregate of all these minute unnoticed influences is prodigious, incalculable. Whoever can put words together wisely, either by the tongue or the pen, has a precious talent which he may not innocently lay up in a napkin. The gift, like that of wealth, is not his by right of ownership, but only as a steward. It is his as a means to do good for the honour of his lord and the welfare of his fellow-men. As I said in the beginning of these remarks, the world is governed by words. Let Christian men, by the industrious use of the gifts they have received, see to it that a greater proportion of this governing force in the world is contributed by the friends of Christ. Let them unceasingly fill up with the words of truth and righteousness every accessible channel of thought and opinion, and thus occupy till Christ come. End of chapter 9